Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach, Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. I already lost half my voice this morning preaching, but I'll tell you what, it's going to be good. Amen? Glory to God. We'd like to welcome you out this morning. If you're watching online, welcome to Victory World Outreach. I know that there's a lot of people that are interested in what we're preaching here because it's it's the gospel. Amen. Hallelujah. It's the truth. Uh, we don't water down the gospel here. We are preaching the truth and the unadulterated word of God. Amen. It means we don't add to it. and We don't take away from it. Praise God. Can I get a bigger amen? Amen. amen. So I want to minister for just a moment this morning. Um, got my glasses here somewhere. Praise God. But I'll tell you, let's be in prayer for pastor uh, this week as they're returning back home. I believe they come back tomorrow. Um, but uh, we sure do miss them, don't we? Amen. Praise God. I, amen. It's been a wonderful time, though, um, being able to help out and be here for all of you. And uh, it's been a wonderful blessing, but uh, we're excited to have him back. So let's be praying and ask God to help uh, for safe traveling mercies. I want to title this message this morning. If you're taking notes, you will become what you desire. Amen. Now, you know, I'm not talking about desiring, you know, I love chocolate candy bars with almonds in them. Doesn't mean I'm going to become a chocolate candy bar with an almond. Amen. My wife's looking at me like you're not allowed to have those. Amen. And I'm not. And I don't have any, I promise. Amen. So I'm talking about the things spiritually in our life, the things that we uh, become are going to be the things that we desire in our lives, amen? The, the, what, you, what you choose to be around, who you choose to hang around with, and the things that you choose to do in your life, hallelujah. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to the book of Isaiah, chapter 6, verse 8 and 9. And let's see what God has for us today, man. How many are open to receive from what God has for you today? Praise God. Isaiah 6, 8 and 9, it says, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. And he said, Go and tell this people, Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. This interesting scripture right here, as we're reading it this morning, it, it, it goes in, in, right in the same uh, particular scripture in Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 30. You can put that up as well. It says, so I saw for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this morning, God. We thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to preach your word, God. We ask that you would lead us, direct us by your Holy Spirit. Lord, that you would use me as an oracle of the Holy Spirit to minister your word this morning that you put on my heart. And Father, I pray that we would not leave this place the same as we came in, Lord, but that you would give us a, uh, a desire and a zeal and a love for you, Father, and for those that are lost in this world. We give you all the praise. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So in our world today, you can see it in many churches that, that are all around us, but most religions or if you want to call it most religious institutions in this world today, in America, they're really made up of a lot of programs. And, and I, I've, I've never been to a mega church, nor do I ever have an interest in even going to a mega church because I don't believe in the mega church. I don't believe that we can uh, be supported and encouraged and strengthened the way that we need to be in in the party atmosphere, but I'll leave it at that. That's a whole topic of another sermon, amen? But I believe that in, in, in religious institutions today around us, uh, they're made up of programs, uh, feeding the poor and building buildings and hospitals and, and a lot of different things like praise-a-thons and concerts and counseling centers and all these different things. You can watch it online. You can watch, you can watch what's happening all over the place. They want money for this book and they want money for this program. One of the things that I do know for a fact is that here at this church, Victory World Outreach, I've been a part of this church for 44 years. I think I know a little bit about what I'm talking about. But one of the things that I know for sure is that 
all of these things are wonderful. We feed the poor, all of these things, uh, building buildings and hospitals and, and counseling centers and praise-a-thons. And, you know, we, we do praise-a-thons in our own way where we get up like we just did and we prayed for somebody. We gave thanks to the Lord for what he's doing in our lives. But, but some of these things, okay, I'm not going to really knock these things down. But one of the things I do want to leave in our mind this morning is good things are the enemies of great things at times. Amen? And these are mostly uh, powerless. They have no impact on a dying and broken world bound by addictions. How many know that in our world today, we're bound by addictions. We're bound by sin and things that are going on in our lives that aren't even, you know, even here in the church. You might say, well, pastor, we're in church this morning. How could you be talking about addictions and sins and, and all these things because I'm with my brothers and sisters in Christ? I got news for you. Even in the church, and at most times, uh, it's even worse in the church where, where people have sin in their life. The reason we come to church is so that we can surrender to God and say, Lord, I surrender to you as my Lord and my Savior, Jesus Christ. And every vice, every problem, every stronghold that I have in my life, I give to you. That's why I'm here today. I want to give it to God. I want to surrender all that's worldly in me. I want to give it to God, and I want to be holy and Christ-like, which I cannot be holy, but I'll, I can be as holy as he'll allow me to be. And so that he can use me. But even in the church, I remember a time in church in Costa Rica, my wife and I, we were pastoring there with our four kids, and in the offering, uh, I was in the office after the service, and we were counting. We had to pay rent that month, and it was the end of the month, and I'm counting through the coins of all the coins. There's piles of coins that come through in a foreign country. And I find this packet in there, and I open this packet up, and it's, I obviously, I know what it is before I even opened it, but I had to open it just to be sure, because it could have been a golden nugget down there inside there. Who knows? You never know. If it was a golden nugget, I'd be saying, praise the Lord, we're going to pay the bills. Hallelujah. But it wasn't a golden nugget. It was, it was, it was crack cocaine. And it was in the offering. And somebody had taken that, probably reached in their pocket, grabbed their change, and threw everything they had in their hand in the offering plate. So you say, well, how can that be in church? Well, it happens. There's things that go on in church. There's some people in this place right now, you got a flask sitting in your vehicle because you can't go longer than an hour without a drink. You say, you have no idea what you're talking about. Yes, I've been in this business for a long time. I do know exactly what I'm talking about. People are hurting. They're going through things. There are people who are in ministries and churches all over the world today with sin in their life. And they might not tell you today, but maybe down the road, five, ten years from now, they might say to you, when I served God in this church or in that church, I had evident sin in my life. And it wasn't just sin that I lied or sin that I, that I, that I didn't do right, but it was a sin like, like smoking, drinking, or, or fornication, whatever the case might be. There are greater sins than others, but in God's eyes, they're all sin. So it happens, and everywhere we go, we see these things, and, 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 and we have to understand that most people in churches, they're more concerned with making money, and how can they be better, and how can they do things greater than they are in winning, winning the lost? Amen? Their focus is on, how can I be better? How can I do this? How can I do that? Instead of having a focus on who is lost out in this world, who is a part of my family that is suffering and going to hell without Jesus? And these need to be the most important things in our lives. So we have hundreds of people who attend church, yet their lives have not really been changed. Oh, they'll come to church and boy, they look good and they talk the talk and, and they act the act and everything looks wonderful on the outside. And they're here today maybe and, 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 and they act like it's all together. But let me tell you something, they have not had a revelation, a true touch, a, a spanking from the Holy Ghost, hallelujah, if I could just say it the way I'd like to. Where God has just grabbed you by that shirt collar and just beat the tar out of you because you are acting incorrectly in his eyes. Now, if I ask that question, there'd be one or two people and my hand will be up too because there's sometimes I get out of line. And I need God to fix me, okay? I'm not up here telling you that I'm this perfect man and, and I'm a saint and I'm the greatest thing that ever walked on the face of the earth. No, I have to strive for righteousness every single day. I have to call upon the name of the Lord. I, if not, you'll see me out there fighting in the highways, in the byways. 
I've got to stay saved. I've got to give my life and surrender to the Lord. But let me tell you something. These people have not been changed. They act the same. They talk the same. They think the same. They do things the way they used to do things. And if they don't do them the same, they want to be like they used to be. Because they still have a taste of the world in their mouth. In their spirit, in their soul, there's still a taste. And you ask the question, why? I'm glad you asked this morning. Hallelujah. But you know, the truth of the, the, the matter is, is there's several reasons. It's number one, there's no passion to know and obey God in their life. Oh, no, no, I believe in God. I trust God. Listen, believing in God, I understand what the Bible says, to confess with your mouth that He is your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to believe to repent from your sin, to turn away means to walk away from your sin and serve God with all your heart. I understand what the Bible says, but there are so many more things that are involved in this. Not having a passion to know and to obey God. Because, you know, God can tell you not to do something. And most of us, a lot of times we have the Jonah spirit where we just go and we do a little bit of what we were going to do. Amen? Y'all looking at me like a, like a mule at a new gate. But I got news for you. I, the way I was raised, I'm telling you what, I got bank robbers and murderers in my family. And, and I'm going to tell you the truth. Uh, I even married into a family that I believe is connected to the Jesse James family. Hallelujah. They got a blood in their bodies that is, a, they got a wild streak. Let's just call it that. My wife over here, let me tell you something. Her, you ask her questions about her father and her grandfather and it'll blow your mind. We're not just talking about now that they're serving God, Papa's gone on to be with Jesus, but, but I'm telling you something, now they're serving God. But when they were in the world, I mean, her father's the only man I've ever known to pull a pocket knife out this big and threaten a man to cut his throat just for his safety. I got news for you, there's a lot of bark in that dog. That little knife might be tiny and small, but I got news for you, you ain't gonna mess with the Holy Ghost. You ain't going to mess with a man that's full of God. Listen, ain't no little fight with the husband or the wife going to get in the way of me serving God. Oh, you just don't understand, Pastor. This woman I'm married to, I can't hardly stand to be around her because she's always this and always that. Well, have you ever looked at yourself in the mirror? You know, one thing I notice is I get more kisses when I shave my face. Isn't that right, honey? She walked in here this morning. She made me feel like a brand new man. I'm telling you what, I think I'm going to keep this face shaved for a long time. <laughs> Hallelujah. I can't use the excuse, well, I like my beard. I like that ugly old thing. I like that ugly old mustache. That's, the, that's what I like to do. I told her the other day, I like it. That's why I got it. She says, you do? I says, are you saying you don't? And then a bunch of other thoughts went through my mind. And I'm like, oh, I just had to get over it and get done with it. Amen. But that's how we all are. We all think this way. And we let little tiny things get in our way of us going forward in the things of God. And God is saying, if you will just eliminate a few of the distractions in your life, you're going to be all right. And it doesn't matter what you look like or what you act like or talk like, but just serve me. Hallelujah. Amen. So there's no passion to know and obey God. Or the desire for sin outweighs the desires for the things of God. Oh yeah, I said it. The desire of sin. It outweighs the desires for the things of God. You see, Christianity or Christians, they're not burdened for the lost today. It's like, oh man, I got saved. Yes, I got saved. You'll hear me in prayer. I'm praying in there. I'm saying, Lord, protect my wife, God. Guide her footsteps. Lead her by the Holy Spirit, Lord. Protect her from evil people. And then I go on to my kids and I pray for Landon and Destiny and, and Briar. Oh, I can't wait to see Briar. Oh, Hallelujah. But anyways, then I go into to Braden and Joelle and I go into Carson. I pray, I pray for all kinds of people. And then I go into the people that are in the church and I, and I begin to pray because I know the devil is after us. I'm not just selfish and say, oh, I'm only praying for my church, my, my family directly because they live under my roof. Yes, as for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. We're definitely going to serve God. And yes, I'm going to pray a covering of the Holy Ghost over them and the plead the blood of Jesus over them. But I go beyond that. I began to pray for the families of the church. Hallelujah. I began to pray for people who are hurting and bound by sin and sickness. Hallelujah. And I take authority over sin and darkness in your life. Hallelujah. We have to understand that today. Most Christians say, seem burdened for the lost 
But as soon as they leave the church, they forget why God saved them. God, why did you save me? It wasn't just to free me from my old lifestyle. It wasn't just to take me away from all the things that I used to be involved in. Yes, those things are all great and wonderful. I'm glad that I'm not who I used to be. I'm so wonderfully uh, grateful for that. But as soon as they leave the church, they forget all about, uh, oh, you know, why God saved them. They don't witness to that person that could be going exact through exactly what they went through in their life. They don't take the moment to ask somebody, are you doing all right? Or when you do ask somebody, they just say yes or no. How many's ever done that? How many love one answer, one word text back to you? I hate it. If I say good morning, how are you doing today? I want to hear, good morning. I'm doing great. How are you doing? And if I don't get a text back like that, I get my feelings hurt. But can you imagine God? God's sitting up there and he's just, you know, he's on the throne up there and he's sitting there. He's probably got his leg crossed or this one can cross a little better. But anyways, he's sitting up there and he's just having a good old day, just waiting to see who he can bless. And he's just waiting for somebody to say, how are you doing this morning, God? What do you mean, ask God how he's doing? Don't, don't, isn't God God? Do I have to ask him? Well, you know, I start every single day off by asking him, Lord, how are you today? God, do you have time for this old wretched sinner, God? Lord, do you have time to answer me for just a moment, Lord? Do you have a moment, God, that you can take for me, God, right now in the midst of all the trouble and work that you're involved in right now, God? All the people that are dying and all the people that are suffering and all the people that are sick in their bodies, God, do you have time for this, old boy? He says, oh, that good and faithful servant. He said, good morning to you. How are you? I say, oh, shalebo yeah, yeah. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. I'm telling you something, my God, He spoke to me, man. Woo, Lord, is that you up there? Hallelujah. You see, the problem is most of the time we're looking for the, the most extravagant word or the most amazing uh, political statement into our life from God that says, Oh, my good and faithful servant of the Lord, you are so wonderful because. And we're not satisfied unless we hear from God the way we want to hear from Him. But I start my day off by talking to the Lord and asking God, God, who can I pray for today? Lord, who would it be, Lord, uh, that you would put in my heart? Uh, uh, Joe and Brenda Hudgens, she's coming back. She, she said, I can't, I can't hardly do it any longer. She had to get back home to Joe. Hallelujah. She's coming back today, man. She's on a road trip now. Let's continue to pray for her. Her daddy's doing a little bit better, and, and we're just going to trust God for that miracle there. But you know what I'm going to do tomorrow morning? And, and tonight before I go to bed, I'm going to say, good evening, Lord. Oh, do you have a moment to touch? Oh, the father of Brenda Hudgens right now, Lord. God, do you have the power? Do you have the strength, oh God? I believe you do, Lord, to heal this family in the church. Listen, I know you might be listening to me saying, why is this guy hollering? My wife hates it when I do, but I get so excited. I get so excited to share what God puts in my heart uh, and the zeal and the excitement that's in my life uh, for the things of God. It's not to better me. It's not just to better my family. They're going to follow me. If they live in my home, they're going to follow my example. But it's because we care so much about what's going on outside the four walls of the church. We care so much about what God is doing uh, outside of our realm, uh, outside of our personal life, uh, that we give it to God and we ask God to help us and we surrender to Him. Hallelujah. You see, they don't witness. They don't really pray and they don't really read their Bible. Oh, yeah, they'll open it up. And, you know, I hear so many people say, I don't really know what to pray, Lord, so I'm just going to open up my Bible. I'm going to sit around the table and just open it up. And wherever my finger lands is where I'm going to read. And that's what I'm going to believe. Oh, it just said you have seen all their vengeance, all their schemes against me. That's what it says right here. I did really not want to read that. Now, I can interpret a lot of that, but let me tell you something. I'm not going to get a whole lot out of that. I need to be able to focus on who God is and what God is and what he's about to do. Hallelujah. I can't worry about yesterday. I can't understand what happened yesterday. I don't know what, what I had to go through, why I had to suffer, why this had to happen. But I know that if I would focus on what God is doing at the work he is doing right now in my circumstance, that there's hope for me. Hallelujah. There's hope for all of us in this place. 
I believe that God is, there's an anguish as he did in the scripture. Let's read in Matthew 22, verse 37. Before I read that, David Wilkerson said something. He said, all true passion is born out of anguish. Matthew 22, 37. It says this, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I want to gather your children together as a hen gathers her, her chicks under her wings. But you were not willing. But you were not willing. I mean, we read a scripture like that and sometimes we don't really understand it. But, but right here, these are Jesus' words. Uh, and he laments over Jerusalem in this very moment. He's, there's an anguish. He's, he's grieving. It's like he wants to protect them. He wants to win them back. You know, don't wait until you, you face a problem in your life before you start praying with anguish and, 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 and crying to God to, to help you in your situation. Because I got news for you. A little patty cake prayer ain't going to work when you're, when you're, when you're sick. <laughs> I guarantee you, Josue, you weren't in there and just, oh, Lord, <laughs> just do what you do, God. I don't have the words. Just do what you do. No, I guarantee that man was walking up and down those hospitals. Matter of fact, they wouldn't even let him in for a while. He had to get in. <laughs> you got to get in. Sometimes you got you to just fight for what you believe. Fire them doctors sometimes, amen? Sometimes you just got to do what you got to do. It's not because you're the greatest. It's not because you know everything. But it's because the God you serve, hallelujah, has given you power and authority to tread over serpents and scorpions, glory to God, and we're going to get our miracle. We're going to get our miracle. Hallelujah. One commenter, commentator, he said this. This was Jesus' last heart-rending plea for Israel in that verse I just read. Oh, Israel. Oh, Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Luke chapter 22, verse 44 and 40 through 46. It says, And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. When he rose up from prayer and had come to his disciples, he found them wide awake. He found them sleeping from sorrow. Then he said to them, why do you sleep? Rise up and pray, lest you enter into temptation. I, I mean, I think that right there sums up the life of a man and a woman. I mean, this is the truth. I'm, you know, we can't hardly get through 10 minutes of prayer. I'm talking about calling down the, the angels of the Lord and saying, Lord, well, I'll tell you what, God, I need a miracle today. I need you to lead and guide my footsteps today, Lord, so that I can be somebody for you today, Lord. Jesus is about to give his life for all of humanity in this very moment. And at his greatest point of need, the church was asleep. Passed out, like some of you all are right now. I look at you in your eye, roll back up in your head. You know what I say to that? Get some sleep at night. Get off of them video games. Hallelujah. Praise God. Can I get an amen from some of you teenagers? Oh, I was, I was going to ask right then and there how many adults play video games, but I don't want to do that to y'all. This old boy don't play video games. I ain't got time for him. This old boy right here ain't got time for no video game. I'll cast the devil out of that video game. That, listen to me. I, I tell it to go left and it goes right. I don't think so. You're going to go where I told you to go. You say, well, you, you sure are pretty macho dude. You better believe it. I'd tell the devil where to go in my life. Get out of my life, devil. I bind you in the name of Jesus. You've got no place here. This is not just me standing up here talking either. You know me. My family knows me. I'll go all over the world. Y'all go anywhere in the world. It doesn't matter to me. I'll eat any food. If that food don't eat me first, I'll eat it. I don't care if it's moving. I'll eat, a, I'll eat a fish. I'll eat anything. You bring it to me, I'll eat it. Especially if you pay for it. Amen? Praise God. I just threw that one in for free. Hallelujah. Here he's about to give his life. Not his life was taken. He, about to, he was about to give his life. Comes back and everyone, everyone is asleep. When God determines uh, to reach 
a people or reach a nation, you'll notice in the Word of God, He will share His anguish. He will share that pain. He would find a praying man or woman and literally baptize them in anguish. This is where we get uh, people who grieve in the spirit and, and people who are praying and, and, and they see results. I'm not going to say that I pray for people and they, everyone I pray for is healed. I wish I could say that. Matter of fact, there was a time in my ministry I quit going to hospitals praying for people because at, at that time, the last four people I had prayed for died while I was praying for them. You have no idea what that feels like. Oh, they call on the preacher to come in there and preach but, or come in there and pray, and you get in there. I can't even get into the hospitals here in Denton. They got the bodyguards standing at the gates and everybody. I say, bring it on. You're going to have to carry me out of this place in a gurney. I feel like calling some of the brothers in the church. I'll wait for Pastor Blake to get back. 6'4", 240 pounds, that big old boy. We'll get some of y'all, we'll go in there hospital, we'll, we'll, we'll make some noise in there, amen? But let me tell you something, what I'm trying to say today is I'm not trying to be a bully, I'm not trying to push my way through life, but let me tell you something, when you believe in something, you cannot just hold it to yourself, you cannot just covet it to yourself, you have to share it. And the gospel of Jesus Christ is something that we should all be sharing, hallelujah, with anguish, amen, hallelujah. Just like Jesus, he hurt and carried the pain. How many know in this place today that the devil, his main objective after we're saved is he wants to distract us. He wants to distract you. You come in, you get saved, everything's good, all of a sudden, man, things are happening, and the devil comes in, he wants to distract you. Hey, come on over here. Oh, somebody you haven't seen in 25 years all of a sudden pops up in your life. You know, that's a distraction from the devil is all that is. Man, I remember this guy. He was awesome. Man, this dude was funny. This, this dude was the life of the party. And before you know it, you're walking like him, you're talking like him, and you're acting like him. And then before you know it, you smell like him too. Can I get a bigger amen? And I can't tell you enough how important it is for us to stay away from those that are going to take us the wrong direction. I can't express it enough. I'm not, I'm not telling you to be ugly or be mean to them. No, you need to love them with the love of Christ and share the gospel with them. But I'll tell you what, my family members, they don't want nothing to do with me. They call me up, and, and my nickname since I was a baby is Squeaky. Our business is named after it. And they call me up, hey, Pastor Squeaky, can I talk to you? Can you come over to the house? Can you come and see us? Can you come to the prison? Can you go to the jails? And can you visit, uh, oh, mijo, mijo, mijo. Everything is mijo, mijo, mijo when the time is rough. And then they call the preacher beeper. They call Pastor Squeaky when there's a problem. But I got news for you. One time I was preaching and I was doing a funeral for my uncle. And on the front two rows right here was full of gangsters. Matter of fact, the prison even let a couple of my cousins come out to be at the, at the funeral. They're sitting there all locked up. And I'm preaching my heart out, man. And I'm, I'm talking, these guys were hardcore. And listen, I'm not just talking about robbing banks. And, you know, that, that has happened in my family. But I'm talking, these guys were uh, drive-by capital kings of the world. Okay? Listen, I didn't do it, so don't look at me like that. <laughs> Only drive-by I do is McDoofuses and uh, McDonald's and, and all these others. But that's to eat. Hallelujah, man. These guys are gangsters. These guys fit the part. These guys don't want nothing to do with God until something is wrong. Oh, when I go to prison, I'm going to call Pastor Squeaky. I'm going to call the preacher beeper and get him out of bed in the middle of the night or at lunchtime. And I'm going to call him and bug him because he needs to help me. But I'm standing here that day in that funeral and I'm preaching the gospel. And I mean, I'm just really getting them good. And I'm telling you, I'm going to come preach over here for a minute. Hallelujah. And I'm preaching them good and I'm just getting them and I'm hitting them hard. And they're sitting back in their seats and they got their attitude. They got the gold chains on because they don't want to, you know, throw that part of their life away. Don't be hiding your gold chains now. It's okay. They got the gold chains out. Woo! They big and bad. I'm not afraid. I walked over there. I ripped a, one of them things right off of that boy's neck. 
I stood him up off of that chair and I says, you're a punk. You need to get up. And I said, you need to serve God. And I got in his face. And some of you know what I'm talking about because you needed to hear it. But boy, the moment that that funeral was over, they walked right out of that place like nothing ever happened. It's amazing how a gangster can still walk like a gangster with his handcuffs on. They, I mean, they got the droop on. I didn't say group on. I said droop. They got the sag on. I mean, the pants is all the way down, and the police is pulling them up. See, you all got me talking like the street. The police. The popo. You got me all talking crazy up here. They wanted nothing to do with God because I didn't have a pass to get them out. I didn't have a way to get them out of their trouble other than something that was free, the most simple prescription in the world, to turn your heart over to Jesus, surrender. Listen, there's a lot of people in this place today where you got saved in jail, you got saved in prison, and you're still serving God today because you didn't go back to who you used to be. You didn't start hanging out with the people you used to hang out with. Hallelujah. I got news for you. God will always reveal his heart to those those very few who choose to pray. God never chooses perfect people. People who have it all together. If that was the case, I wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't be here. I, there's no hope for me. <laughs> I mean, it's just so simple. God uses broken people to reach a broken world. He chooses broken people like you and myself to heal a broken world. You see, when someone decides to be used by God, there's always going to be opposition. The moment you give in and you say, I'm going to do something for God, there's going to be an opposition. The devil, the enemy, the attack is going to come against you stronger than it ever has. The moment that you start doing good, test me, challenge me, open up your Bible for one week straight and you watch and see what happens. Oh, I ain't doing that if something's going to happen to me. I ain't, it ain't worth it to me. The breakthrough alone is worth it. You're going to begin to see things on a spiritual level. You'll be able to walk and talk and act. Oh, like a Holy Ghost filled preacher. Glory to God. You say, well, I'm not a pastor. No, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about being somebody who is so full of God that no matter what goes on around you, you've got the power, the strength, hallelujah, the endurance. And when you pray, you go to God with anguish. You're weeping. The gnashing of teeth is, is, is even in, in prayer where we have to go to God ready to fight. To many people in this world today, they're just convinced that if there's any opposition in their life or to the gospel, then they must pull back. If the media is against us, they pull back. <laughs> Other churches are against us, they pull back. Half of you are so scared, you won't even talk about your, your, your political beliefs. You won't talk. We can, we can differ. Everybody can differ and be different. It's okay. I'm not going to sit up here and preach politics to you, but some of you are so scared to talk about it. You, you, you run so fast, you, you, we put you in as Carl Lewis in the Olympics. Let me tell you something that's intimidating. My wife's father, years ago in our fellowship, guess who? Geraldo Rivera. How many know who Geraldo Rivera is? I'm going to tell you something. Geraldo Rivera, that, he, that man does nothing but intimidate people everywhere he goes. He will interpret, he, he will misinterpret something. This man, and listen, very smart man. Very smart man. But guess what? He said, this church, we're going we're gonna to come in there and we're going to do something with this church. This church, Victory Chapel, Victory World Outreach, man, there's something wrong with these people. We're going to come in there and we're going to interview these people. He brought a news team in and he tried to interview Pastor Ron Jones. Guess what? You ain't going to interview Pastor Ron Jones when Pastor Ron Jones don't want to be interviewed. Did you hear what I said? You'd be catching the next train out of town. Geraldo Rivera come on in there like he was Mr. Billy Babba and he comes in that place as powerful as he can be with his entourage of people, walks in there and turns around and walks right back on out of there because he didn't have anything to say and nothing that he said would even make any sense to anybody in the world. 
We are not a cult. We are a church, a family of people who are serving God with our whole heart. Did I say we're perfect? No, there's nobody perfect in this place today. My wife is close, but she's not. Amen? We're not perfect people. But not even Geraldo Rivera could intimidate us to walk away. We stood up for our faith. So many times people will leave and go somewhere else. They go, oh, I'll just go to another church. There's less drama over there. Yeah, till you show up. <laughs> then you show up, you brought all the drama that church never had, never seen in their whole life. Well, I'll just go serve God somewhere else. These people don't love me. Well, go right on ahead and go on over there and show, see what happens in about a year when they get comfortable with you. We don't want you to leave. We want you to stay right here and work out your salvation right here in this place and let God deal with you. Let God strengthen you. Hallelujah. Praise God. You see, Jesus was opposed at every single turn. And I don't have these scriptures on there. I had about 10 more, but Joelle would have killed me this morning. But if you're taking notes, Mark chapter 2, verse 13, they were opposed by the church of the day. Mark 2, 18, opposed by John's disciples. I'm talking about oppositions every single day going on in life. Mark 3.20, opposed by the scribes. Mark 3.1, opposed by his earthly mother, his own family. John 6.60, many of his disciples forsook him. John 18, the government opposed him. Ooh, government, huh? Government would do that? You better believe it. Mark 8, Jesus' number one disciple opposed him. They'll turn their back on you in a heartbeat. Like that. And finally, in Matthew chapter 26, 56, it says the whole world. Matthew chapter 26, 56, is that right? But all this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. They, Listen, I got news for you. The whole world forsook and opposed him and put him on a cross and killed him. I'm not talking about that whole world or that whole world. This whole world, all of us, we put him on a cross because of our selfishness, because of our arrogance, because you can blame Adam, you can blame Eve, but it is what it is. Here we are today. Matthew 10, 38. It says, and he who does not take up his cross, it's a pretty powerful scripture, and follow after me is not worthy of me. My goodness, I mean, how strong can it get? This is the strongest. I've seen it in the Bible right there. David said in Psalms 55, uh, 12 and 14, 12 through 14, he says this, he says, for it is not an, an enemy, it is not an enemy who, who reproach me, then I could bear it, nor is it one who hates me, who has exalted himself against me, then I could hide from him. But it was you, a man, my equal, my companion in my acquaintance. acquaintance. We, look, we took sweet counsel together and walked to the house of God in the throne. But it was you, a man, my equal, my companion and my acquaintance. Listen to me. If we would read these particular scriptures, God's anguish over his church. Remember the story in Hosea? The, the, it's a powerful story. I'm not going to get into it because our brother's here. We're going to close in just a moment. Amen. He's going to begin to play something softly. But in Hosea chapter 1, let's go ahead and put that up real quick if you would. Hosea chapter 1, verse 1 through 6. It says, The word of the Lord that came to Hosea, the son of, of, of Abari, in the last days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, and in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel. When the Lord began to speak by Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, Go take yourself a wife of harlotry and children of harlotry. In other words, for those that don't understand what this is saying, is go to that whorehouse right there and pick her. Go get her. And not only is she a whore, but her mother was a whore. That's what this is saying right there. And children of harlotry. 
For the land has committed great harlotry by departing from the Lord. So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Diblaim. And she conceived and bore him a son. Then the Lord said to him, call his name Jezreel. For in a little while I will avenge the bloodshed of Jezreel on the house of Jehu and bring an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel. It shall come to pass in that day that I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. And she conceived again and bore a daughter. Then God said to him, call her name lo I don't even how to say it. For I will no longer have mercy on the house of Israel, but I will utterly take them away. Listen. Hear this woman in this story. It's, 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 it's a, probably the most amazing story that I think can relate to all of us in our lives and in this time of our lives right now. Not that you're, uh, uh, you know, into all these harlotry things and, and, and you're out there doing things promiscuously. That's not what I'm saying. Eventually, she does become unfaithful and pursues other men. In Hosea 2.4, it says, but then I will win her back again. And that's what it's saying. It says, therefore, he says, behold, I will allure her. We'll bring her into the wilderness and speak comfort to her. Allure her. I mean, how much more, you know, understanding do we need? But then I will win her back again. It's like last night I'm counseling a friend of mine and, and, and you know, from another church of our fellowship in another city. Spent about 45 minutes on the phone and I'm giving him all this stuff and he's having some marital problems and he's walked away and, and uh, I'm telling him all the things he's got to do to get her back and at the end of all that he says, you mean I have to accept her back? And I had already prepared this message and I'm already, it's already in my spirit, I'm already feisty and I'm already mad because I hate sin. I hate sin. I hate sin when I sin. I hate sin when anybody else sins. I hate sin. I hate the devil. You better believe I said it. I hate the devil. And I get through all this conversation with this man and I'm, I'm, I'm loving him. I'm giving him the, the ingredients and, and the prescription to make it and how to be successful and, 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 and have the heart to forgive and have the heart to bring somebody back in. And I says, and tomorrow you need to wake up and you need to go to church. Take those kids to church. And his very next sentence to me was, I don't know if I can do that. Right there in my life, in my moment of time, as a pastor, as a man of God, I got frustrated. And I called him stupid. I did. I said, you're stupid. I said, you're a sissy. You have no backbone. Woo, yeah, you say, oh, don't talk to me like that ever. Well, then don't get out of line. I'm just kidding. And I said it to him, <laughs> amen. Oh, Mikey, guy's a miracle. And I began to weep in my spirit. And I said, you're telling me that for 45 minutes of my night you wasted? You're telling me that as I loved you and cared for you and nurtured you and showed you how to make it and showed you how to love a woman that is going through a lot of pain right now in her life, it does not give us an excuse to go out and sin. But to understand that that woman is hurting. To understand that there's pain in that person's life. And that you want to be so selfish to react that I don't care and I'm not going to do what I need to do. You might as well just tell me the truth. Which he did. And I'll guarantee he'll never say that to me again. He weeped like a baby. I said he weeped like a baby. And I'm going to call him today and I'm going to ask him, Hey, bucko, did you go to church today? And if he says no, I might call him another name. I'll tell you next week that what that is, okay? It's because I'm mad at the devil. That's why. 
I'm not saying names just to be childish. I'm not trying to be a punk in the kingdom of God. Gavin, I hate the devil. I hate the devil. He's real. His plan is to destroy your life. But your mama and your daddy raised you in this place so that you can say, here I stand on this rooftop and I shout it out to, that Jesus Christ is Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, we'll just go ahead and see what God says about it. All y'all Southerners, y'all, we just going to see what God says about it like that. We're going to see what happens. Listen, sometimes we got to move the hand of God. We got to have some compassion for what people are going through in their life. I got a lot more to say, but I'm, I'm done. And I'm, I'm going to tell you what, the Holy Ghost is moving right now in our lives. And you know what? There are a lot of harlots. There are a lot of people in this, in this world today who are going through some very difficult times. But let me bring the hope. Let me bring the good news. You could leave this place today brand new. You can leave this place today set free. The bondages of sin can be broken in your life today. You will be able to stand up before God and say, Lord, I am a good and faithful servant of the Lord. Hallelujah. I have been through trials. I have been through tribulations. I've gone through difficult times in my life. But Lord, I will serve you no matter what I go through. Hallelujah. And God will help you. I promise you that. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes this morning in reverence to the Lord. After Hosea says he'll win her back, we ask the questions. After all that she's done, being unfaithful, guess what? God forgives her. God forgives you. And the church has abandoned the call. Later on in the story, her sin catches up with her. Oh, it catches up with her. She becomes a slave and standing on an auction block, she was sold like an animal. What does God tell her? What does God tell Hosea? He says, by her back. Oh, hallelujah. picture of an unfaithful and adulterous church and people but it's also a picture of the unconditional love of God working through Hosea's life God will work through your situation God asks do you still love this woman do you still care about her even after all she's done? Wow. And I can see it like it was right here in front of my face. Hosea nods his head and says, yes, I do. I do. God says, go and get her. Go get her. Show her love the way I show the church my love. You see, all through this city, there are people who are hurting. We don't have a clue what they're going through in their life. We don't know what trials or tribulations they're involved in. We don't know the pain, the hurt that they're carrying right now in this very moment. We don't know. But we have the answer. Pharmacies are full of prescription drugs. They're, they're on the outside, behind the, behind the aisle, but behind the register, in front of the register. They're all over the place. And it blows my mind how people will run to the pharmacies and to the doctors to get all the help to get rid of a little tiny pain. Travel all the way across the country to find one piece of medication that will help me with my sinus or with my earache or with my headache or whatever ache I have. 
But when it comes to spiritual, we're handing out prescriptions this morning. How to live a life free of sin. How to live a life to make heaven your home. Listen, I understand sin is there. It abounds. It's there. It's all over the place. And sometimes we're tempted and sometimes we're lured and sometimes we fall. Sometimes we get trapped and we fall. But guess what? The, re the receipt, the, the recipe that I'm giving out today, the prescription that I'm giving out today is a prescription of forgiveness from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter what condition your relationship is in today, it is your responsibility to fix it. God can't fix it for you if you're not willing to fix you. Well, you don't understand, Pastor. I've already talked to God about her. Oh, there's your mistake right there. God already knows all her mistakes. God already knows all his mistakes. God says, fix you. Let me fix you. All over this place this morning, before I go any farther, the presence of the Lord is in this place this morning. There's no doubt in my heart that the conviction of the Lord is dealing with people, dealing with us on how we've handled situations in life. But more importantly, this morning, our own salvation. Where are you with God this morning? You say, Pastor, I'm not saved this morning. I'm away from the Lord, and, and I, I'm, I'm, I got sin in my life, and I'm, I'm, I'm away from God. I'm not saved this morning. If that's you, I want to pray for you this morning. Don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid. Put your hand up. Just lift it right up and put it right back down. Left to right, front to back. Put it up and put it right back down. Listen, this, this commitment is between you and God, no one else. You say, I want to be saved. I want to surrender my life to Jesus Christ right now. If that's you, just put it up and put it right back down. How many all over this place? To change the order of the service for just a moment. You're here today and you say, Pastor, I have lost the burden for souls. I've lost the burden. I have witnessed in, in months Maybe somebody say years. Ask yourself the question, how many times, how long has it been since you've won somebody to Jesus? I'm talking about praying a sinner's prayer with somebody. These are very important questions we should ask ourselves. Let's all stand to our feet this morning. I want to ask you a very important question today. What are your desires? Are you pursuing your desire? Or is your desire pursuing you? In just a moment, we're going to open up these altars. Matter of fact, you can start making your way forward now. In this church, we believe in open, open altar calls to be able to come down to this altar and surrender to the Lord. I'm not going to ask you any questions about what you're dealing with, what you're battling. This is between you and God. This is an opportunity for you to come down to this altar and say, Lord, I'm giving it to you. I surrender to you today. But I want you to ask God just a, a few questions this morning. And, you know, we're in the Catch the Fire series right now in this church and praying and fasting and reading our Bibles, believing God for breakthrough in our lives. Sometimes, sometimes you got to go get it. And we're in the midst of this battle. We're in the midst of this fight. And it's simple. It's simple. Lord, here I am. Here I am, Lord. Send me. Use me. Use me to minister. Thanks again for listening. If you want to hear more messages, please subscribe to our podcast channel. And if you like it, consider rating it and sharing it with your friends. For more content from VWO Denton, go to our website at vwotexas.com.